Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, before I bring up Topher, just a couple of things I wanted to say. One, to the guys who came to the, the prayer time yesterday, thank you for being there. We're going to try to do that every month, and I think we're probably going to continue doing it on Saturday mornings. It worked out well. But this is an important thing that, guys, I think leading the church, we should be praying up front and praying frequently for our families and our church and our community. So it was really an encouraging time. We, we set aside just an hour to do that. So, guys, next time we do that, let me, let me encourage you to be there. Also, just again, I want to stress for, for the, about the ladies' study. It's Tuesday. I think Tuesday begins. Is that right? Six? Amber, will you raise your hand? If, ladies, if you want to speak to Amber, there she's back there, think about going. Uh, it, every time my wife goes, she talks about just how encouraging and wonderful it is. So, ladies, think about doing that as well. All right, I'm going to bring up Topher Harrison. Topher, come on up, brother. Uh, he is going to be preaching this morning, and uh, he, is, uh, he has been ordained as a pastor. He served in many churches. Uh, he's also hilarious, and I'm looking forward to hearing him. So let me pray for you, brother, and, uh, and then we will hear, hear God's word. God, we love you. Thank you for Topher. Thank you for just your blessings on his life and your calling on his life. Thank you for his willingness to, to spend time in your word and to preach and to bring us your word. So uh, we love you, Lord. Uh, we give this day to you. Just pour out your grace and blessings on my brother Topher here. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks. All right. Don't cry before you start, right? Uh, hey, I, I had some notes. If you didn't get them, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to the book of Philemon. If you can't find Philemon, just find Hebrews and then turn left one page. And there's some notes around. You may not need them, but... I printed them up for your sake. And I told Josh I apologized beforehand because I move around a lot. That's why I got rid of that really big pulpit. Uh, so thank you, elders, uh, for letting me do this. I love the Word of God. And, and I think that as a church, we need to hear the Word of God preached because I think it has power to transform and change lives. And in this book of Philemon, we're going to see an amazing story. Uh, a story about a transformed life that goes from useless to useful and then is used by God. And hopefully our lives can do the same thing. So before we get started, let me pray. Um, Lord, we just thank you for this time to dig into your word. God, your word is living and active. God, your word says that it will never return void and that it's useful for teaching, for correcting, for reproof, for training in righteousness. And I pray that that's what it would do today, God, that it would teach us that it would train us, God, and that we would grow in righteousness. And Lord, for myself, God, I pray that you would hide me from this message and that just your word and the beauty of your son, Jesus Christ, would show forth. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the book of Philemon. We pray this in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our culture has a, a fascination with uh, trash to treasure, right? It, how many of you have seen, by show of hands, because I don't want to be the only one, you've seen uh, Fixer Upper, right? Okay. I, I've watched it. i got to admit, demo day is my favorite day, even at our house. Like, if we're going to do a project and I get to swing a hammer and break things, I'm really, really good at that. So if you need dem- demo at your house, 
I know a guy, right? Like, I will help you do that. And so we love this, right? Like, my wife wants to take a shipping container, bury it in our yard, and make a pool. I didn't even know this was a thing. It's a thing. You just get on Pinterest, you find all these things, and, and our culture is like, oh, let's take this piece of trash and turn it into something that's treasurable. And we love doing this with things. And sometimes this is harder to do with people, right? We look at some people and we say, oh, that person's a piece of trash. That person's useless. They'd be better off if that person wasn't around. And what's hard is we can say that about some people, but some of us in this room have heard that said about ourselves. And we hear those things. And so what I want to say to you today, as Brother George said a few weeks ago, is we're responsible for what we think. And so today as we turn to this, we're going to look at the book of Philemon. And the book of Philemon is about a transformed life that goes from useless to useful, and then is used by God. And that is the story that we're going to focus on today. So I hope you're there. I hope you're in Philemon. Philemon is a short book. It's a one-hit wonder. It's one chapter. You, how many of you have ever heard a sermon on Philemon? Oh, man, more of you. I was hoping this, this would be your first one, and I would say this is going to be the best and worst sermon you've ever heard on the book. But you've heard it. I'm done. I'm going to go sit down. Thanks a lot, church, for uh, me. Anyway, so uh, we're going to start at the very beginning, because that's a very good place to start. So here we go. Here's what uh, the book says. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we continue on to the prayer, here's what I want you to notice. Paul does not address himself as Paul the Apostle or Paul a slave, right? And that's what we typically hear. He says, Paul a prisoner. This is going to be a very personal letter. Paul writes four letters to people in the New Testament. He writes Philemon. He writes the Timothys, one Timothy two times, and then Titus, right? So we've got those four letters. This is a very personal letter. Um, and it's written to one guy, it's written to Philemon, and uh, we believe that Aphia is probably his wife, and Archie is probably his son, and then the church that meets in their house. So, here's what he says in the prayer. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and your faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have delivered much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. All right, a little bit of background information for this book. Right? This was written to a church in Colossae that met in Philemon's house. He was probably a wealthy landowner at the time. He would have had a church that met in his house, and he's got that church, right? And he's the leader. And so being wealthy, he had slaves. And we're going to get into that story, and it gets very interesting how the gospel plays into that, and I love that about this. Um, I believe that Philemon and Colossians were written at the same time and probably delivered by Onesimus, or at least the group that he was with. And if that's wrong, that's my sanctified imagination. You can throw that away. But I think that he probably brought both of those letters back to Colossae, and he would have given them to the church, and he would have given them to Philemon. And, and when we get there, uh, and you see him delivering this letter to Philemon, you're going to see how difficult, uh, because of the background, that would have been. Right? And so we've got the personal letter, and 
just the way that Paul writes this, his tact in this is uh, incredible. Um, as we read through it, you're going to see the way that he puts himself out there as a mediator for this man, Onesimus. And so we've got three characters in this story. We've got Paul, who's writing the book. We've got Philemon, who it was addressed to. And we've got Onesimus, who the story is predominantly about. So those are the three characters. Now, just a little bit more, and then we're going to jump into his plea after the prayer. Uh, Pastoral thing, you have to do those alliterations thing, right? Plea and prayer. So he says in verse 6, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that's in us for Christ's sake. Sharing of your faith. If I said, hey, I want you to share your faith, everyone in this room is thinking evangelism, right? We're thinking evangelism is the sharing of our faith, but the $5 Greek word for the day is koinonia. Everybody say, no, you don't have to. Koinonia, that's the Greek word here for fellowship, Right? This isn't the, fel- the evangelism, this is fellowship-based. And so he's saying, I want the sharing of your faith, the fellowship of your faith, to bring in the full knowledge. This is why I think it's so important, why I think God bless this church, that you guys fellowshiped and met together during COVID, and the leadership said, we will meet together because the fellowship of believers does something for believers. And I think we see that here. And so when he says the fellowship of your faith. Like yesterday, Jeff mentioned just the time of prayer. Being able to hear men prayer, hearing Harlan pray yesterday was just an encouragement to my soul. And hearing the prayer requests from other people saying, can you pray for us with this? Can you pray for this situation? It was a sweet time. And so I think when we meet together, God does something amazing. And that's why I think it's so good. And we've seen God's hand on this church that we meet together. And so that is Paul's prayer. Now we're about to move in To the meat of the book, and so here we go. This would be Paul's plea for Onesimus. Verse 8, Accordingly, though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. All right, so we've got a useless runaway slave. You got your notes? Useless runaway slave. Now, why is Onesimus useless? This is a big thing here, and we're going to look through it, and you're going to see it more, but Onesimus is useless because of his sin and his state. His sin and his state, right? You look on and and we see it, and it doesn't say what exactly happened, but as we read this, we assume that he probably stole something and he probably ran away. Because Paul says later, if he's done anything wrong, charge it to my account. And I, Paul, will repay it. Whatever he's done, I will repay it. And so we see this, that he's got this sin that is over him. And Paul says... He's useless. Some of us in this room, we've felt useless before. Maybe you've been told you were useless. Uh, I remember as a kid, um, my dad liked to work on his car, and he would hand me a flashlight. 
and immediately I became useless because I was unable to hold the flashlight still on this part that my dad was working on. He's like, aren't you, you just useless? You can't even hold a flashlight? And like, I can't hold a flashlight. And if you ever had a dad and you ever helped him work on the car, I hope I'm not the only one in the room, but that was for me. And that's a funny thing, but sometimes our sin makes us feel useless, right? We could have a conversation and you could come up to me and you could say, Toph, man, I just covet so much. I want what I don't have. I'm envious and jealous of this person because of their house. Maybe it's because of their car. Maybe it's because of their job situation. Maybe it's because of how obedient and quiet their kids sit in church. Maybe it's all of these things or something else. And you look on and go, this covetousness, this envy, this jealousy in my life, there are times where I just, I feel useless. And maybe it's not covetous. Maybe it's your pride. Look at your pride, or you look on at, at lust, you look on at your thought life, you look on at your sin, and you know your sin, and you look at your sin, and you say, because of this, I'm useless. And somebody else maybe did something to you, and you feel useless because of that, right? Maybe Onesimus, at one point in his life, felt useless because he was a slave, and somebody put him in slavery. It was a different time. It was a bondservant thing. But maybe because of that, maybe something happened to you. And it was the sin of somebody else on you. And you feel useless because of that. And that's the thought that plays in your mind. Maybe you were abused or maybe something happened and you just look on and go, because of that, I feel useless. Our sin has consequences and it affects the way that we think. And there was a Gallup poll and it said 91% of Americans believe that the reason, the way that they can find kind of like hope and help is by looking inward. When I read scripture, I look inward and then I look upward and then we look outward, right? You're going to see that in your notes. We look inward not to find our hope. We look inward and we see our sin. This is the fallen condition focus of this passage. Onesimus is useless in his sin. He is not a Christian, and so he is useless to his slave owner. And so we look in. We don't look in to see hope. We look in to see sin, and we look up to see our salvation. And that is the beauty that we have in this passage, because it doesn't just stop with, here's this useless person. It continues on. So we look upward now to a useful rescued son. Here's what it says in verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's indeed useful to you and to me. Now here's the funny thing. Onesimus, the name, was a common slave name given to people at that time, and it means useful. Onesimus means useful. So Paul is making a play on these words, and we're going to see it again. And he says, here's this useful person that's useless to me, but now he's useful, right? If you were at Philemon's church the week after he stole something and ran away and you're just having a conversation with Philemon in the back and you're like, hey, how's it going? He's like, man, my useless slave stole something and ran away. Is he going to be shocked when he comes back and the apostle Paul leads him to the Lord? Um, But now we look upward. So I'm sending him back, verse 12, I'm sending him back to you sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness 
might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. How does Onesimus move from useless to useful? He becomes a Christian. His life and his identity is changed. He goes from useless to useful. He goes from slave to son. He goes from fugitive to family. He goes from beggar to brother. His identity is completely changed. And so is our identity. When we accept Christ, our identity is changed. We no longer rest on our identity. We rest on the identity of Christ and his finished work. And so when I thought about, when I became a Christian, I was 16, 17 years old. And I remember so many people, I would talk to them about my sin and my struggles. And they would say, Toph, if you just knew your identity in Christ, this wouldn't be so hard for you. I've been a Christian for three months. I have no idea what identity in Christ means. It's like, does that mean my DNA is different? Like, I had no clue. There were so many times in church and in conversations, I was lost at the verbiage that the church used with things like, just be washed in the blood of Jesus. And I was like, why would we do that? Like, it was so foreign. Like, I'm telling you, man, like, coming not from Bible believing to like in church, there were so many things that people said, and I was like, yeah washed in the blood and we're clean it doesn't okay um but identity identity in christ what does that mean daniel prayed it in his prayer and i loved it our identity in christ means that our life is rooted on christ's performance not ours on christ's perfection not yours on his righteousness not yours and so when you think about your life and you think about oh man it's my actions this is not a faith about do more and try harder it's about a god who sat on a cross and says it is finished and that's the good news that's why his life goes from useless to useful not because all of a sudden he decided to do better and try harder and be a better person and serve philemon better because he met the living Savior and his life was changed. So that's your identity. I think about Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I died, but I'm going to live and I'm going to live this life through Christ. And what does that look like and how do we do it? Man, that is by faith and that is what we do. And we go to God's word and we say, God, help me understand that it's your perfection, that it's your performance. And when we fail and we feel useless and, and when there's this old song and it says, when the vile accuser roar of sins that I have done, I know them all and thousands more. My God, he knoweth none. That's the good news. That's when the tempter comes in, when, uh, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. How's that song finish? Upward I look and see him there, him who made an end to all my sin. That's right, Jim. That's the goodness of the gospel. And so read with, this, read me, uh, with me verse 15. 
For perhaps, this is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. This is God doing something that we don't understand. God is behind the scenes doing a work that we don't get. You mean to tell me that God was behind Philemon or Onesimus stealing and running away and then going to Rome and meeting Paul and getting saved? Absolutely, I mean that. It's like mystic Romans 8, 28 language, right? For God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When Christ found me, I wasn't looking for him. I was helpless and I was hopeless and there was somebody who was faithful to tell me the gospel and God saved my life and he changed me. Philemon or Onesimus is running away to Rome where 60 to 70% of the population was slaves so he would have disappeared and never been seen again. But he has a chance encounter with Paul in prison. And what's Paul doing in prison? Being faithful and preaching the gospel. And then Onesimus gets saved and his life goes from useless to useful. But it doesn't end there. Our, our life doesn't end with just salvation. It ends there and that's our hope and that's the great thing. But, but we see something even. They move from this, right, to useful. And then they're used by God. This is where we look outward. We look outward to see us used by God. I won't ask for a show of hands with this, but how many of you have uh, gym equipment in your garage that is useful but not currently being used? (laughs) Or you've got tools in your garage and they would be useful if you used them. We can be useful in the faith and do absolutely nothing with it. And James says that that is dead faith. And so we don't just stop with being useful. We go to being used by God, and what does Onesimus do here? This, I love this. Verse 17, and we'll read to 22-ish. So if you consider me your partner, same word there, uh, that's the koinonia word. So if you consider me fellowship with you, receive him as you would receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing that you owe me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit. I want some Onesimus. That's the Greek word there. From you in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me because I'm going to check in on you for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I'll be graciously given to you. Receive him as you would receive me, confident of your obedience. This is Paul going in as a mediator for Onesimus, saying all these things. And so Onesimus gets this letter, right? Runaway slave, got to go back to a slave owner. Got to go back to him, and he's got to give him the letter. Now under Roman law, Philemon could have done whatever he wanted to Onesimus. And so I imagine there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of trembling when he showed up and was like, please read this first before you do what you're going to do. And we don't know how this story ends. The Bible doesn't say it. Um, 
But I believe that forgiven people forgive, forgive people. We know that hurt people hurt people, but I believe that forgiven people forgive people. In Colossians, the, same, the book that I think was delivered together, Colossians 3, 12 through 14, in verse 14 it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Man, nobody has sinned against you greater than you've sinned against the Lord. And it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And why do we do this? God, God didn't need Philemon to do any good. His neighbor did. Martin Luther said, God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor does. Your neighbor needs you to walk in faith and share the gospel and talk to him about Christ and do those things. Your family needs that. This church needs that. That's what it says. The fellowship of your faith. What's it say in verse 5? The sharing of your faith becomes effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that's in us for Christ's sake. When we walk in our faith and when we live from it and we live outward into the world, we get to be used by God. And then we become, for your notes, a reconciled sent one. That was a lot harder for the alliteration. Runaway slave, rescued son, super easy. Reconciled sent one, a little tougher. Thanks for the grace on that one. But this is what I love. We see that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. We had a conversation with our kids last week about how to reconcile and how to move through. And reconciliation is just bringing two parties together that were once at odds and making them friends again. That's what God did through His Son, Jesus Christ. Reconciling the world to Himself through Christ. And He says, now I give you the ministry of reconciliation. But in this story, we're Onesimus. We are. I am. You are. You're Onesimus. But you've got a better Paul and you've got a better Philemon. Paul is the mediator and Philemon is the one that they're trying to make this relationship right with. But for you and I, we have Jesus Christ, an advocate with the Father, on our behalf, going to God and saying, and I love this, we were in a Bible study with the Ruziks and Morgan said, when we get to heaven and God looks at us and says, why should I let you in? We could say, you shouldn't. But he said I could come. I'm with him. And that's what this is. We've got Jesus Christ who goes to the Father. And who do we have in the Father? We have a Father who doesn't stay in Colossae. We have a Father who gets off the porch and chases down his beloved son and says, I'm coming for you because the hound of heaven wanted you and came for you and chased you while you were running away and while you were far from God. And that is the goodness of this story. It's a life that's been transformed from a useless life to a useful life to a life that's been used by God. And so when you look and you flip past Philemon next week when Jeff goes back into Hebrews, I want you to remember that Jesus Christ is mediating for you. He loves you. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. And man, if you don't know that today, if this is the first time you've heard the story of Christ, man, don't leave here today without having a conversation with me or somebody that's on stage and just telling them, I want to know more about this. I want to know Christ. I want my life to be changed from useless to useful. And Christ will do it today. I know he will. He did it for my life. 
And man, if you're a believer out here today, would this be your encouragement? You can be used by God. God can use you. He used this runaway slave. He uses me. When, when Paul says in Romans 7, what a wretched man I am. When I get up here and I want to cry, it's because I shouldn't be here. But it's by God's grace that he allowed me to teach this word. And so God can use you and do mighty things. Let's pray, church. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us, God. We thank you how you sent your son to die on a cross to pay for our sins and reconcile us. God, you didn't have to. But you wanted to because we were your child. And you came for us. God, would you help us to be used by you, God, in this world. We give our lives to you. And we pray this in Christ's name.